This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. It was like a head-on car accident there. Had to piggyback him, grab onto his waist as he pulled him, kind of like a tractor pull there for a couple yards. You can play it safe. You don't have to take these risks and just nickel and dime your way down the field. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at CJOB.com. Hey, hey, it's G-Mac and Doug Brown. It is the Blue Bomber Podcast. Thank you for subscribing. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for sharing the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Available wherever you get podcasts. Share it with your friends. Tell them all about it. Doug Brown, as candid as you're going to get him. Yeah, he's great in the free press. He's amazing on the broadcast with Bob Irving. But for whatever reason, he seems to let his hair down just a tiny bit more here on the Blue Bomber Podcast. And Doug, fresh. I always drink before I come here. Well, that helps a little yeah. bit. Yeah. You should try it during the day because that's what we do on the morning show. <laughs> that's what show. you do, huh? Yeah, that's what we do. That's <laughs> how we get drinking day on the morning show. On the morning you, show. you have to come in and hang out with us one of these You days. know what I think we should do? We should just forget this game on Saturday in Vancouver and just move on to Toronto. Speaking of it's drinking. bad. I, the, the, so many bad things. Is there a little bit of a hangover here because Blue Bomber fans, the renewed conversation about it's time for the Blue Bombers to move on from defensive coordinator Richie Hall. What's going on with Paul Apolise. He's getting too complicated with his calls on short yardage. The Blue Bombers did a, sh- a short kickoff at 14-0. That could have blown up in their faces as well. I don't see anybody talking about that. Why don't we talk about this idea, though, that it was really a tale of two halves. It was two, 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 two games in one. You ought to keep searching the Wow. And to think they don't have you do that commercial all by yourself. Um, You know what it is, honestly? Being in some... uh, A, as a player, back-to-back scenarios are very hard, especially when you win the first week, 41... Was it 41-17 or 41-10? 41-19. 41-19? Not to correct you, Doug. I think... think you're wrong, actually. But anyways, um, you come off a game like that, as lopsided as that was, and then you're up 17 nothing at halftime. I really think it's hard to stay and keep playing at the same level of intensity as the BC Lions. If you think of the different experiences those two football teams probably had at halftime, Wally Buono was probably in there and probably didn't even talk to anybody. Probably just stared at all of them in his menacing, uh, his menacing godfather look without even saying it. Yeah, arms crossed, uh, folded across his chest and absolutely just glowered. Is that, is that a word, glowering? No, I think um, you just made that one up. And it was 41-19. Are you sure still CFL. about that? CA. Anyways, um, and the experience in the Bombers room has got to be... It's got to be different. You're up 17 nothing. You just won by, you know, 30 points the previous week. And you're just like, wow, this team's really not that good. You lose a little bit of focus. You lose a little bit of intensity. And it just snowballs. All of a sudden, things start going sideways. Penalties, interceptions, turnovers, not converting, short, yard, short yardage uh, scenarios. And uh, it just went from bad to worse. And you just watched that 17-point lead just erode and crumble until it was just a big burning tire fire and smoke cloud. Okay, only you could not know the score of a football game and then come back with the word glowering? Yeah. Yeah, it's a word. It is a word, yeah. Yeah, glower. A gerund or present participant. Glowering. Have an angry or sullen look on one's face. Scowl. She glowered at him suspiciously. So, well done. Can I have an apologize? Can you apologize? I apologize. Okay, thank you. I guess that SFU... 
education's worth something after all. No, it's just reading. <laughs> just read a book and you'll be fine. That's you'll all you have fine. to do. Yeah. So basically what you're telling me is anything that could go wrong did end up going wrong for the Blue Bombers. You know, you talk about the turnovers and you and I were talking before we cracked the mics and I said, you know, Matt Nichols, that on that last drive of the game, why is he throwing that off his, you know, moving the, to his left, off his back foot, throwing, yeah. You said, you mean the one that hit Nick Dembski in the chest? You know, he did make the pass. Well, he was, he's already gone on the record said he'd throw that 10 out of 10 times. And I thought his first two interceptions were way worse than that one. But, I mean, this is why, to me, this is a throwaway game. Because how often is Matt Nichols going to throw three interceptions in one game? He usually throws three interceptions all year kind of thing. So it's just an aberration. You know, the, the penalties, the unnecessary roughing penalties, one or two of those, questionable. Horse collar, questionable. Um, the you know, Ian, Wild, Ian Wild's hit, Questionable. The illegal block on the on the kick return. That that, that was a yeah. complete phantom call. I mean, I you know I'm gonna sound like a Montreal Canadiens fan or a fan of one of these teams that you know my, New England Patriots. My team can do wrong. We got screwed by the refs. That, that's not the case here. But four of the eight penalties that the Blue Bombers got on Saturday night were were questionable at best. I was pretty upset with those penalties at the end of the game. I mean, when they happened and at the end of the game. And then when I get the TV copy and I look at them again, I've already sent two of them into the league that I believe they're going to send back an apology and say, yep, those really don't amount to the penalties that were called. Which is unfortunate, but it, it does happen. You know, I think, Bob, you can agree. There's a couple of those penalties that... I didn't like them. We're probably not. Yeah. Didn't meet the standard, right? Which, you know, I could be getting in trouble for this, but that's, you know, I I rip the players after for the penalties, and then you got to apologize to them and say, yeah, those two aren't. <laughs> well, one was uh, a horse collar that uh, we weren't sure. We didn't think that um, Jeff Coat grabbed the guy high enough to, to justify horse call. Yeah, it, it looks like he, he grabbed, grabbed the numbers, numbers, not the nameplate. And then the roughing the passer. Uh, On well, Ian. Yeah, those are, uh, those plays are all so sketchy at times for me. You can't touch the quarterbacks, although Nichols got touched later in the game, I think, pretty good. But I don't know. I don't know how players can police themselves. The, the guys rushing the quarterback, I don't know how they know what they can and can't do. Yeah. Beyond. You know, from the sideline, from the video of the replay, it looked like Ian's hand as, as Lule ducked. It looked like his hand might have contacted the back of the helmet. And then when you look at it on the, on the TV copy, you know, it doesn't. So, you know, maybe it was late, which I'm not sure it was either. But that's not the reason why we lost. You know, we... <laughs> It's a combination of uh, turnovers and penalties and, and um, you know, just it all adds up. And BC playing with, with spirit and with a, with a different quarterback and him getting rid of the ball quickly. And, you know, they, they beat us. And we played a terrible half of football. We played a good half of football, a very good half of football. Then we played a terrible half of football. And that's what you get. And it's a, it's a tough lesson. Better learnt early in the season than later. Yeah, and then you look at the missed opportunities, right? They're up 17-0 still in the third quarter. Um, Andrew Harris rushes the ball for 11 yards, rushes the ball for 7 yards, and then the next two snaps, he decided to go away from uh, second and third 
gains one yard, and then second and two on the BC goal line, essentially here. You go back to back with Chris Streveler, and uh, for me, it was just, uh, if, it, if it could go wrong, it did go wrong, but I think that leads us into our next topic about, you know, I think Chris Streveler is is a very impressive um, in terms of what he brings uh, as a, as a change-up tempo, as a differentiator at the quarterbacking position by what he can do with his legs. I think he does very well in the short yardage situation. But I think they got too cute. I think they got too complicated. Um, you know, he's, he's a big, strong guy, and uh, you don't got to go for 26 yards around the edge every time. How about just go straight ahead, north-south sometimes? Because every time you're running east-west in a, in a third-down or short yardage scenario, you have the potential for that seepage for that leakage for guys to penetrate get up field and then it's uh oh what's the difference there doug in terms of are there more moving parts on a play like that are there guys that are doing things that that you know, when it's straight ahead it's much simpler what what is it that that takes place on a well, play yeah, like it's that shortest distance between point a and b is is north south going straight ahead and when you have an offensive line like that you, you get down you get low you get behind your center one of those guards and it's it's a wedge block straight ahead power drive football and uh just get them moving those legs and is that and, the most basic play that's football? the most basic but you know for me uh, the the biggest uh, the thing I had the most problem with was just the play calling in that third quarter uh, on that second and three third and two when Andrew Harris is the one that got you down there in the first place this guy was averaging almost eleven yards a carry uh, over one hundred and thirty yards on the game he only touched the ball thirteen times okay and he was averaging almost eleven yards a carry and I'm just like if you give Andrew out of those two snaps, okay, second down and three, third down and two, you give him one of those, he probably scores. You give him both of those, he definitely scores. There's no way. You've seen how that guy gets into the end zone. I still have this memory burning in my brain about that time where he had a, he had to put an arm on the ground, put a hand on the ground and like step over this guy and he was falling down. He still managed to get in the end zone. He's a running back. I think it's great. Chris Strebler, in my mind, is an excellent running quarterback he runs the ball very well for a quarterback he doesn't run the ball very well for a running back though okay Andrew Harris has got to the pinnacle of uh, CFL ability and talent based on what he does reading blocks cutting back running through over guys being patient behind his block if nobody on that football team has as much experience understanding what's happening around him in a ground game scenario than him. So when you're given, you're, you're doing a, a QB draw or you're, you're getting cute, trying to do an end around on, on a QBC in a QBC sneak scenario. To me, it's just a lower percentage play than having a guy that is on, that is always in beast mode against the BC lions. And yeah, sure. He had two carries, but you really think he's not energized to get that ball in the end zone. I don't think he was tired. I think he gets that ball in. I think they go up 24 nothing. I think the game is over at that point. Now let's also remember that the BC Lions mismanaged the clock at the end of the first half. Very easily could have been 17-7 at the end of the first half. The Bombers dodged a bullet there. But going back to the Strevler-Harris 
Paul LaPolice question about what do you do when you actually need one yard? Let's go back to last season. And if Paul LaPolice is sitting here in the studio with us, Doug, and we go, so are you trying to tell us that if Chris Strevler had been your backup quarterback last year, when you really needed a touchdown, you had one play to get the ball in to complete the comeback against Montreal? Is that the play you're calling? Or are you doing what you did last year and give the ball to Harris? I know what he's doing. He's going to Andrew Harris. So why aren't you doing that? What's the psychology there? Are they trying to put the, you know, snuff out any hope of BC coming back? Are they trying to stomp them down on the throat? Is there a message that you're trying to send with well, a play I think like you that? just got too cute because things that worked last week, all of a sudden, you know, it looked like you still had it. Right. You know, I, I think Mike O'Shea said in, in his comments after the game, you know, they were giving us the edge. We had it all game kind of thing until, and you have it until you don't, right? Sometimes you get baited. A lot of football teams, you do things to them once and they're just waiting until you try that again, you know, and and guess what? Uh, Two times on short yardage, right? They had opportunity uh, for scores, for touchdowns, for field goals, for anything to come away. It's one thing to have five turnovers. It's one another thing altogether uh, completely different for two of those turnovers uh, to be opportunities where you could have had six points. You summed it up in seven simple words on Twitter. Getting fancy on short yardage backfires big time. And we could almost really summarize the entire game that way. Yeah, you know, it's... Um that's a big problem when you when you come off a blowout win. Sometimes you you get a little too confident out there. You get a little bit away from the basics, away from the fundamentals, um, and uh, you get too fancy, right? You, you're trying, you're putting together highlight reels instead of basic winning football games. And I, I just saw a lot of things out there that are uncharacteristic for this team. Obviously. Uh, they've been phenomenal in their short yardage conversions uh, over time and, and in the in the past. So we don't expect that to happen again. We don't expect Matt Nichols to throw three more picks. Um, we hope, you know, my, my one concern is that, uh, you know, this offense can incorporate a running game, but I don't, I'm not sure whether this offense can be, uh, have a, uh, a run first mentality ever kind of thing Why is that? in a game. Well, I just don't, I don't think that's necessary in the nature of the offensive coordinator that, that runs this offense that I think he's capable of having uh, a, a balanced attack and having that running dimension. But sometimes a game calls for it when, Hey, guess what's working best in this game? It's your ground game. It's your, they have no answer for it. They have no ability to stop can you let that dominate your play calling now? Can you emphasize that in how you're addressing the game in the second half? And I think they went away from that. I think if you have an 11-yard average, you should probably have a minimum of 20 touches uh, on the ground with that football. And it just didn't happen, unfortunately. And uh, hopefully that's something that can be addressed going forward. Those third down calls, Mike, do they go right from Paul to the quarterback's ear hole or do they go through you and you get the yay or nay or what? Yeah, I'm responsible for all that, Tom. Okay. I, I hear I hear it all and and I I'm ultimately responsible for all of it and you know, we we were we're so good on short yardage last year and we're good on short yardage this year. I'm not going to abandon uh short yardage or or um yeah. It's not going to deter me from going for it. We got the, you know, we got the best old line in the league. Here's the first uh, person who's asked, hopefully a lesson learned. Take your points, field goals when you can. Uh, BC, BC still has yet to score 22 points in a game this season. We didn't need touchdowns. I presume 
I shouldn't presume. Do you regret those third down gambles? I guess hindsight being what it is, it would it would probably be good for me to say that. But as I just said in the last caller, uh, the game situation will always dictate what my decision is. But on third down with our O-line, with our running back, with our quarterback, our, our strength uh, in our quarterback, you know, I'm going to go for it a lot in those situations. I told the O-line that a few years ago. Hey, I'm going to put you guys in some situations where we need to, you know, we're going to go and do this. And it might not be necessarily ideal, but we're we're going to. And I thought at that point in the game, if, you know, we score, we, you know, we're going to take a strong control of the game. And, you know, that's my belief. Welcome back to the Blue Bomber podcast with Doug Brown. Let's get back to the action. So when we look uh, forward now, you tell me you're not really worried overall about that, that this, you know, the way things went on Saturday night, it's a throwaway game. The Bombers are two and three. They're looking up not far. I mean, they're technically tied, but because of games in hand situation, they are uh, based on the number of games played. They are in last place in the Western Conference. And, you know, the Calgary Stampeders are, are definitely the class of the league. I saw a tweet this morning that said, here's your power ranking for this week Calgary seven teams that can play well or poorly based on yeah, the weekend yeah, and the Montreal Alouettes yeah. right basically it's a it's a schmozzle sandwich I, I think one that's, team seven teams that are inconsistent right. on a week to week basis and then one team Montreal. I, th- I think that's accurate. Yeah, it's. I mean, you know, for me, I'm I'm intrigued by this because this football team has always, well, for the most part, the last couple of years. Uh, their strength hasn't been at the end of the year, you know? So if they have things to sort out now or in the middle of the season, we're coming up to the one third mark, right? Um, where the, the first six games and if they're three and three or even two and four, to me, it's intriguing. I want to see, I, I don't really care how this team's playing. I've seen them play well before in the beginning, in the middle of the season. All I care about now is them playing well at the end. Obviously they have to stay competitive. They have to stay in the mix. Um, they have to stay healthy, but uh, you know, you had a, what a nine and nine football team win the Grey Cup last year. I'm less concerned when I look at the talent in this football team. I'm I'm less concerned about them struggling early in the year. You know that that doesn't really bother me. I'd rather see them take a different approach this year. Obviously, these are not things you always control, but you want to start coming together and playing really good football in the final in that final third or quadrant of your of your football season and uh, there are ways away from that and and when you have kinks to work out this is time to do it they've already had a super adverse situation with their quarterback um, now they're you know coming off a blowout win where they let things get away from them in the, in the second part of the home and home contest against the BC Lions so I just think uh, you know for me you throw this game out, uh, I think they have a great opportunity to at least split, if not win both games against uh, Toronto these next two games before the bye. So we see where we go from there. But it hasn't always worked for this football team to be strong in the middle, yeah, that's third, fair. in the beginning, third. Yep. It's all about the end. And like you say, they got the horses to do it. So for me, yeah, it was a, it was a brutal game. It, it was uh, agonizing to watch the just constant erosion of of that score and, and and missed opportunity that was the hardest part that's what makes fans 
the, right. the angriest, I think, are missed opportunities. You march all the way down, you come away with nothing. You're like, what the heck just happened here kind of thing. It's agonizing watching that. So painful one for the fan base. But, you know, in my mind, this team has always responded well to games where they've played poorly. You know, very few times have we seen them put together back-to-back agonizing, excruciating losses. You know, they've always responded very well. Very proud football team. Be very surprised if they don't do a lot better in Toronto on Saturday. When you dominate a team for seven of eight quarters and you come away with a saw off, that is difficult. It's a it's a tough pill to swallow, I'm sure, for the players. Definitely difficult for the fans. And so, as we look ahead to Toronto Saturday afternoon, I'll tell you what I'm concerned about. This offense does have a ton of firepower, but Adarius Bowman... Had one catch this past week. Weston Dressler, one catch this past week. Does that concern you when individual guys, key components of an offense are not involved maybe the way they, and I'm going to use the air quotes here, the way they ought to be? Yeah, you know, for me, what's more concerning is just has been the second half performance of this offense. So uh, they've been shooting the lights out. In, uh, in the first half of games, the last two games uh, specifically. And then it's like the the opposition defense is making adjustments is, you know, they're having the picture explained to them. They're making corrections. And then we're not capable of overcoming that anymore. We're not refining or, or fine tuning our game. That's the bigger uh, concern for me is just how, you know, first and gangbusters, first and second quarter, first half of football games, guys are unstoppable. They look so good. And then, you know, I, I, what happens? Where does that execution go? Right. Where does that, uh, what are those, uh, those matchup disparities? Where has the, the play calling genius where does that go in the second half it's just uh they get flat for some reason it's been a couple games now where the second half uh, they just haven't shown up and uh that to me is a little more disconcerting than just picking on individual parts of that offense because as a whole collectively i mean you look where they are in comparison to the rest of cfl in terms of offensive categories and uh, all they got to do is they just got to get back to playing three good quarters let alone they don't even need four they can be that effective right so right now they're playing two Got to get them back up to playing three, three and a half, sometimes four. Everything will be fine. What are the Toronto Argonauts doing, at least in their last two games? They've given the Edmonton Eskimos fits. We're uh, basically a field goal away from uh, sweeping the series with the Eskimos. What do the Bombers have to be conscientious of in terms of the Argonauts? Is it their defense that is just uh, allowing uh, their offense to kind of hang around? Because uh, let's face it, Edmonton Eskimos uh, have a lot of firepower as well. And Toronto Argonauts certainly didn't let them exhibit that uh, in two games in in the past uh, nine days between the two. Yeah, I mean, Toronto is playing well defensively. Um, and what scares me most about this matchup is they're a one and three football team. So uh, they don't want to be one and four, one and five, right? Things are starting to get away from them. They're pretty desperate. Going on the road, too, uh, the Bombers that need a, a infusion of confidence going into that game. You know, Franklin is playing pretty well. I talked to Bob Irving about what he saw in that game, and he was impressed by, by Franklin stepping up in the absence of Ricky Ray, getting things done. And so uh, it's a lack of finish there. It's going to be yeah. If, if you're talking about a, a lack of intensity, a lack of execution in in the second half for for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. 
platforms against BC, well, you know, that's going to have to get ramped up a, a few notches and then exponential increase of intensity going into Toronto playing that football team because, uh, you know, two and three becomes two and four. And conversely, somebody's going to be coming out of there next Saturday feeling real bad about themselves coming back to Winnipeg um, for that home rematch. So um, it's starting to get. Uh, we're not saying things are getting out of reach, but the shovel's in the ground and somebody's going to be digging a hole uh, by the time the final whistle goes on Saturday. James Wilder Jr., such an outstanding player last year, really not getting on track. Uh, so far this year, he's struggled a, a tiny bit. Uh, does he concern you in terms of the Blue Bomber defense uh, being able to to contain him? If Franklin's throwing for close to 300 yards, and Edmonton doesn't have the best defense, but if he's throwing for 300 yards against anybody, you know he's going to throw for at least the likelihood of him throwing for around 300 against the Blue Bomber defense uh, is probably, uh, I would give it an 8 out of 10 chance of that. If Wilder gets going, the, the Bombers might be in a little bit of trouble against that Argo D. The offense. only thing that concerns me about Wilder is uh, Jeremiah Johnson for the BC Lions was having a whale of a game before he got hurt. And uh, Wilder's very similar in the sense big, physical, pounding explosive type running back who can who can break through and and get in your second level run people over so on and so forth so that's the one thing that's the running style that does concern me going up against this blue bomber defense in uh, going to Toronto is that you while there's going to get on track at some point he's going to have a breakout game at some point in their season and that's the type of back maybe that they have a hard time matching up against that physical pounding style of uh, between the tackles running back who gets square behind his shoulder pads and and can really motor okay so the bombers going in toronto saturday afternoon they're coming back from the west coast they were as we speak it's monday they had a day off today they'll get back at it on tuesday and then have their travel day friday so it's a it's a short work week for the blue bombers how do you like that two road games in a row scenario one where you're going two time zones to the west and now you're going one to the east is that a big deal if you're a player now, you know, for me, get as many road games out of the way as possible in the early going, uh, early part of your season. And that's what's actually happening. They have a lot of road games in these, this is in this first third and, and the middle third. Uh, you know, it leaves you a lot of home games and able to get on a roll and get some momentum and get some consistency in front of your home fans, hopefully playing for uh, a home playoff spot at that point. So, yeah, for me, everyone's got to go through obviously the same thing. Um, obviously, the timing of when you're going far west and far east, not ideal, but get all the road games out as quickly as possible, as early as you can in the season so you can focus into playing well at home and, and starting something special there. So, yeah. I'm happy. I have no qualms about this. And obviously there's seven days in between the games, so that shouldn't be an issue. So it's a similar situation then to the Nichols injury in terms of the road games, right? Yeah, we weathered that storm. Let's yeah. weather the storm exactly. of going on the road. And then, you know... Get all your difficult moments We're already thinking, early. we're yeah. already, you know, it's. I know it's uh, only the middle of July as we speak, but... We can see Labor Day weekend from here and the back-to-back games against Saskatchewan. They're just over the hill, and that's when you really—that's when you want to be hitting your stride. Hey, man, when I was a kid, I used to have this thing about dinner. I eat all the vegetables first because then it was nothing but good times after that, Greg Mack. Eat all the stuff you don't <laughs> like on your plate. If you if you had those parents like I did, they're going to make you eat everything on your plate. Go with what you don't want to eat first, right? Get that out of the way. 
and then it's all good times. Let the good times roll. I think that's that's my uh, metaphor for the season. We can't top that. That's we where we're going to end it. We're going to leave it with eat your vegetables first. Then you it's, get to the steak. <laughs> it's the Blue Bomber podcast with Doug Brown. It's all steak here, unless you want some vegetables. We appreciate you tuning in. Please take some time to uh, rate us, share us, download. And if you subscribe, you know what? It'll show up on your mobile device wherever, however you're listening. It'll show up automatically. Doug, thanks for this. We'll see you in a week, man. See you, my friend. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. That is, wow, that's fantastic. I like that. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com.